0: Welcome to season six of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xdan. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. Two guarantees that we maintain, you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 121 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. Powers of Marketing actually makes this show possible. And I'm super excited about my guest today. He was my boss's boss, my first job out of college. We were just talking about how we actually weren't that far apart in age at then or now. Weird.
1: (laughs) Right. How,
0: though, how, right? how, how does that work? <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dave.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Megan. Thank you. It's so good to do this with you. Oh, and oh, my God. We're still friends and connected after all these years. That's not that common. You know, I'm very happy to say that, that we have stayed connected. Same. Thanks you. And I'm
0: modeling my GERS retail systems <laughs> mug that I got on my first day that back in 1994.
1: Back. Oh, my God. 1994, we were children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) 100%. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, chat GPT. Who would have thunk when we scheduled this how the news would have just erupted with it this week. It's been crazy. So I have a lot of questions and hopefully we'll get questions from our viewers as well. Sometimes in these live shows, we get a bunch of people and a lot of interaction and you just kind of never know what's going to happen. So
1: bring it on, people. We're ready for
0: you. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Hopefully we won't go too long, but I always say people say, How long should a podcast be? And, and the answer is as long as it should be, as long as the content is still good and there's value for the listener, then that's what's up. So hopefully we can demystify, share some of the whatevers about what's going on with Chat GPT. But first I'm gonna read Dave's bio. All right. Dave has spent more than 30 years marketing technology to global retail and supply chain organizations. His resume includes stints with Aptos Retail, Blue Yonder, Red Prairie, and GERS. He has built his brand by helping business businesses identify and take advantage of opportunities where technology intersects with industry challenges and consumer behaviors. And chat GPT technology, despite all the hype and hyperbole, clearly has the potential to impact every business on the planet. He joins us today to help us separate the hype from the reality. If there's really a there, there, I love it. (laughs) I should have maybe Um, warned
1: you about the awkward phrasing on the finish there. You were reading that cold. You did a good job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. No doubt. I was going to reach out to you for something else, but then you posted an article about chat GPT on LinkedIn um, that got a lot of traction. And so I want to start with like, let's I think by now everyone knows what artificial intelligence or AI is, but this chat GPT thing and what proceeds it and we'll get to the news um, from this week in a little bit. But I'd like to start With the article that you wrote was titled The Rise of Chat GPT. Is this retail's stop trying moment? So let's talk bottom line. I want to start kind of big picture. This tool is obviously great for the regular person searching for in-depth information about things. But what do you think this means for creators, writers specifically, in terms of AI like replacing us? I think you mentioned in your article that as a writer, the accuracy of of it terrified you. (laughs) So um, talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure, it's not something to be afraid of, but it's certainly something to be aware of. And I think all of us as content creators have a responsibility to understand how to differentiate ourselves from these tools. And they are stunning, you know. The, and i uh, certainly everyone's seen the examples on the internet. One of my favorites because I idolize Ryan Reynolds. I have a have a, a weird fascination with how he seems yeah. to have a Midas touch. With you know, everything he touches seems to turn to gold, including his uh, Wrexham uh, soccer slash football team, apparently now is starting to come back to life even. And, um, you know, he had to write a commercial and this was what caught my eye. And he recorded himself. He made a commercial of himself describing the process of how he asked chat GPT to write a commercial, make it sound like me, use a curse word, you know, include a joke and talk about the big carriers, why they're bad. And then he read it, you know, theoretically unedited, who knows, but he's typically a pretty authentic guy. So I kind of think it probably was unedited, you know, and it's, it was eye pop, you know, it was just absolutely like, holy cow, that does kind of sound like his voice. They did work in a joke, you know, they checked all of the checklists, most importantly, sounding like Ryan Reynolds. Right. So I took that as a little bit of an aha moment for myself personally to say, all right, I make an awful lot of my living creating content. How do I stand up, compare, differentiate? Megan, we should put an asterisk by everything we're going to talk about as in today. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: right.
1: 100%. Yeah. A month from now, this will evolve, and a month after that, it'll look very different. But as we sit here today, there's still a gigantic gap between collecting facts and aggregating them in, an, in a conversational tone and applying real value judgment. And You know, so that's where we will make our money is applying our value judgment. It will be a tool for us. You know, you could have it write you a blog post right now, but you're going to have to apply a value judgment. How accurate, how meaningful is it, and give it the context that you need to make it connect with the audience that you intended? Those are all steps that are light years away for right. things like chat gpt but it's definitely capable of producing college freshman level papers at minimum a lot of schools now have sniffers to look for uh, content that's been generated by AI and, and fail the projects. So, you know, it's legit, but it's not a threat. It should be. I think we need to look at it as a tool and right. use it as inspiration to figure out how to differentiate from it. There's a yeah, for answer.
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. There's a lot to it. And I started using it and gave me some pretty decent short answers. And then yesterday I got shut out because of everything that that's going on. Yeah, I think the free has gone away. All right. So it's funny because I've heard several people say that chat GPT. What's it going to do to Google search and SEO? And of course, now here we are with the announcement that Google put out that of its AI tool, the crawling BARD. Actually, in my research, they said they they started developing generative AI back in 2017. They called it Transformer, a novel neural network architecture for language understanding. And now what they're calling Lambda in 2021 to present day. Now they're calling it Bard, powered by Lambda. Anyway, they launched the beta this week. So obviously, Google is the king of search. Do you think they will eclipse Chat GPT? You know, what do you think it means for the future of AI in, in this context?
1: Yeah. So for the future of search, I think is where I think that's where we want to focus because this is without question disruptive to search. But there's an asterisk to that, too. So remind me, let's talk about that asterisk in a second. (laughs) But when you think about the user experience in Google today or Bing today or any of the other search engines, it's remarkably easy, right? All you need to know is how to put your mouse in the search box, type in what you care about, and hit enter, and you'll see stuff. It's remarkably easy, yet, if we're being honest, it's remarkably inefficient. You have to do all the work. Okay, Megan, you probably Googled or Binged or whatever your search engine of choice is, Mm -hmm. something to do with uh, Google's beta AI chat GPT, and you got 4,975,000 results from Google. The search was efficient, (laughs) but the paddling Mm -hmm. through the search to find the answers requires you to scan the meta descriptions. OK, this looks like it might be a candidate. Let me click on that. Right. just You know, the experience. Everybody knows the experience. And, and while Google was lauded for, the, and, you know, and made their mark in the world because of the efficiency of the search, the search evaluation has never been efficient. And that's where these new AI tools, ChatGPT and Bard, change the game. And there are many others. Just ChatGPT hit the zeitgeist uh, in November. So, you know, that's become the Kleenex, if you will. Of brands, yeah,
0: totally <laughs> for
1: AI. But you've seen it, right? You see the results. They're collated. There's no traversing to seven other sites and compiling a nugget from here and a nugget from here. And okay, now let me put it together. All that work's been done for you. So that just completely changes everything as a user that we expect from search. So it's not a surprise that Google has rushed this to market, right? There's all kinds of articles you can read. Who knows how true they are? But you know code red up in mountain view when (laughs) chat gpt went live and who knows what the truth is but they managed to cobble something together in beta here within a few months of the zeitgeist getting hold of chat gpt so we are now in the search wars in my opinion for the future of search and the only advantage google has that i can tell right now is market share and boy i'm going to say this and you're going to smack me (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <I never. laughs>
1: you know, for better or for worse, people tend to trust Google's results. Right. People don't trust chat GPT. You know, person who runs Twitter was an early investor and co-founder of OpenAI, which inherently now brings all kinds of trust issues to a large portion of the marketplace, despite his protestations of AI is dangerous and we have to make safe AI reception. Mm-hmm. You know it. Powers of marketing, perception is reality. So there's some inherent trust issues with chat GPT, and I have yet to see anyone really make inroads into how they're going to solve that. Right now, the algorithms are the bias, but once the algorithms do their thing, you get the choice to decide what you're going to believe and what you think is the right answer to your search question.
0: Right. We're training the algorithm though too, aren't we? Like because isn't that like part of this is that you can train chat GPT to Yes. How does that work? Cuz I, I didn't use it enough. Like is it asking a number of questions in a row that teaches it that that's like How does it work?
1: Well, I have not seen the training interface. Okay. I don't I don't know what the experience is like, but in essence, you've got to feed it the data that you want. So an article that you mentioned that I wrote, you know, I market to retailers. Most of my days I spend marketing technology to retailers. And, you know, I advocated for trying one of these chat GPT like services for site search because you could feed it the data that you want it to produce the results that you want for your customers. So, you know, asking an you know, innocuous question, an easy one, like what are the best shoes to buy if you want to start training for a marathon? You know, you, you could imagine typing that into any one of a number of websites, bots, you know, the current bots, mm-hmm. service bots on any number of retail websites. You know, and today you're going to get a very cryptic response that's entirely stilted and rigid no matter how many trees branches of the tree that somebody tries to put in there they can only do so much and when you ask one of these tools like chat gpt you're going to get a very thoughtfully quote unquote mm. Thoughtfully. How <laughs> I just said that, <laughs> that <laughs> attached to a machine? Oh, God. The future terrifies me, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a thoughtful response from a machine. You know what I mean, right? Like it's yeah. going to give you, yeah. you know, these are the shoes. Here's the things to consider. You could feed it that data to produce the results that are hopefully going to influence the person to buy your shoes or buy shoes from you. That's a very different use case than the generic web search, right? Now I'm on google.com, bing.com. That needs to be trained with data. It needs to be fed data that allows it to compose its answers to you in hopefully accurate and unbiased ways. But that's the big giant asterisk right. with uh, these tools is we don't bias. know how to prevent bias. No one's talking about right. it yet.
0: Right. No, for sure. For me, I, that one of the biggest things, as somebody who used to be a technical writer and um, used yes, to you know I write a, a knowledge that. base for software, <laughs> I see there, there being a huge opportunity here to build a knowledge base, potentially I mean, not eliminating a technical writer's role, because it's still important. But like right now, the chatbots that are being used, and I, I got into many chat a little bit, and I ended up not really going fully down that road with it. And I never offered it to my customers. But you have to sort of be intuitive about what the next question is going to be, right? Like right. the flow of information. And so I feel like if Used correctly, this could really help. Because also the thing that that I get into whenever I'm trying to use a help, you know, a customer service platform that is using a chatbot, almost never get the answer I need. Almost never. Like, so there's a human behind those. You know, there's there's a human behind someone creating the flow of what they think you're asking for and the answer that they think that you need. But yeah, but there's that. If this, then that. So anyway, I think like this could improve that tremendously.
1: Without question. Without question. Next time you can get on to chat GPT, I I suspect it's not that it's not free for you. I just suspect it's swamped. And you you just have to keep trying and trying to get in. But ask it a shopping question. You know, that's just I I use that because everybody can relate to that. We all shop and we've all had those awkward, stilted, unsatisfying experiences with service bots when you're trying to find an answer about what to buy. right in some way shape or form so it's an easy thing for everybody to relate to and wow look at the results the question is can i trust them right i guess i keep going back to trust on that side and value judgment is how we differentiate. You just hit on it. As a technical writer, your role will be elevated, not necessarily you particularly, but as any technical writer, our roles will be elevated because we will now be applying those value judgments. What do I believe my customers are most interested in? And what is my objective for this communication? In a retail service, setting context, it's I want to influence them to buy more stuff, right. right? AI can get you so far, but there's a you know, there's a, a chasm of things that a human can intuit that a human can apply value judgments to to help create that knowledge base that leads to influence. Right. And again, ask me this question in two or three months. maybe the chasm's more narrow, but right now that's a big chasm,
0: yeah, okay. so, we used to have Apple versus Microsoft. Now do we have Microsoft versus Google? Like they have rolled ChatGPT into Bing. That was another part of the big news this week. Why aren't they just buying ChatGPT? Well,
1: GPT? they they put 10 billion dollars into it. So, they don't Oh, uh, they're an the investor. Company. I see. Yes. They they've okay. invested 10 billion dollars in OpenAI, AI. Is that is, all? <laughs> the, the, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> let's grab lunch and throw 10 billion dollars at somebody (laughs) while we're there so they invested 10 billion dollars in that and they just as you know we've been exchanging messages about this all week when google announced they were going to announce bard they immediately threw together an event to rush the beta of being with embedded chat gpt and Trying to get on that wait list, I think, is about as hard as getting logged into Chat GPT this week. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying in anticipation of our conversation. I, I, I yeah. get to, you know, I'm on the wait list, but I haven't been able to get on it. So I've been reading about it. But here's what one thing that
0: on Bard, you mean on Bard, the wait list for Bard is that what you're?
1: No, that I'm not. Oh. I, I, I have you have to be invited to that for Bing. you oh, can I see. Request an invitation. Oh, on for,
0: Bing. Okay, got it, got it. Yes,
1: yeah. Okay. I'm sorry if I wasn't.
0: No, that's okay. That. That's
1: Sorry. Yeah, so Microsoft invested $10 billion. They took some version of the the infrastructure and the technology and the platform that ultimately come, came to market as what we know as ChatGPT, and they added web crawling to it. So that's a significant enhancement, which is on par with BART. So ChatGPT has only been trained. The demo version that you and I can access and that we've been experimenting with, it stopped ingesting data in 2021. And that version does not have web crawling capabilities. Oh, interesting. So both BARD and the Bing version of the chat GPT platform, both now have web crawling, which changes things quite a bit. And so we are in the search wars. I do think so. I think it's, you know, Microsoft and Google. And or Bing and Google and we'll see who wins. But it was going to be interesting to see how long Google waited before they put something out there that was comparable. And boy, it didn't really take them very long, right? Right. Um, You know, relatively speaking, OpenAI launched their demo of ChatGPT. I think on November twenty second. Yes. Right and. Two and a half months later, Google feels confident enough in BARD to put it out to a private beta. So they know it's there. There's something to be, something coming that that we got to deal with this.
0: Well, and that press conference or whatever, that event that they created, that they threw together from Paris, that that seemed strange. Everything
1: about it was, yes, the whole thing. (laughs) It was like, I mean, it'd be a fascinating episode of succession. You know, it was like (laughs) these... two rival competitors, like, how do I, you know, how do I screw my competitor? Okay, they're going to do a thing on Tuesday, they're going to do a blog and a press release on Tuesday, I'm going to do an event with an announcement on Tuesday, you know, and and it was clearly thrown together quickly in pure competitive spite. Yeah, (laughs) I thought it was fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. So I mean, I like as you said, I think we're always going to need a human element well, it's real time or in support of, of backfilling that AI response potential. What are your th- thoughts on organizations folding this into their standard operating procedures? Like I think it's too good of a technology to ignore. So you think it should be included in strategies for retail, you know, obviously and other businesses?
1: I I, I would hesitate to make a blanket statement that it should be included in strategies, but it should be included in evaluations. Absolutely. We need to understand if this has a place today. And if not today, when do we revisit it? Because as we've joked about, it's moving so rapid. And again, that article, I advocated for retailers to really consider It's it's a relatively low risk area to start. It's just customer service. Can I leverage this technology to improve my customer service experience on my websites? And I say it's low risk because they're so bad now. (laughs) Most of those bots are just, you know, you just never get the answer you want until you get to a human. So that's where I would say, you know, specifically in retail, but everybody should be thinking about this. This has the potential to change how every business on the planet that does business digitally does business.
0: Yeah. Dr. Mike, I don't know if he's a YouTuber, is a real doctor, (laughs) but like demystifies things and stuff. He did a thing with ChatGPT and I'll put a link to it in the show notes um, in addition to the link to your article. But he asks several medical questions and he's blown away by how accurate it was. Like he gave it eight, nine, 10 out of 10 on some of the answers. So I don't know. I guess my final question is like, why do you think this is so much better than what's come before it?
1: Well, there's definitely the two things that really make this compelling in my experience is the combination of the ability to effectively collate answers, right? So I've got a bunch of disparate data points in some database somewhere, multiple databases. I've got to aggregate and collate that in a way that is context-aware, and provides value to the user, but also does so in a conversationally effective way. And that's what catches the zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. right? If this was just producing a list of bullets, right, people would be far less intrigued than what, you know, you know what it's like, everybody's seen it. Yeah. And the terrifying thing, and I, I, you know, I get all worked up about these things. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, did you see, I don't know if, we talked about this, I can't remember. the um, a company called Do Not Pay that put the chat GPT engine to work to negotiate a discount on their cable bill. Oh, And some of that's playing off of uh, stereotypes that it's impossible to get a discount on your cable with, you know, big cable. <laughs> right. And so they put their chat bot to work with a live agent at one of the big cable companies and negotiated a discount. And the impact of that, while certainly it's buzzy, right? Oh, that's cool. Somebody, you know, some bot got a discount from one of the big cable companies, it was to watch the interaction, watch how the chat, why it's in the name chat, chat GPT, was able to carry on a conversation with a human being and respond to completely unscripted interactions in a way that ultimately led to a discount. You know, it didn't get, it almost got stuck in a loop at one point, but it figured out how to get out of it and ended up with a $10 a month discount (laughs) on their bill. So you put those two things together, the ability to collate and communicate in a way that's much more intuitive, much more human, much more consumable. That's what makes it different, my opinion, those
0: two things. Yeah, well, and we are on the precipice of this. And I knew we were not going to solve all the problems of the world today or, or, you know, like, you know, pretend to have it all totally figured out. But your article is really good. And so it got me like, oh, we've been wanting to have someone on to talk about GPT And you had done enough of the research. And you're like, you're in it trying to figure out a business case, right, for yes. the industry that you're in. Um, and I think that's kind of where a lot of people are. They're in like kind of holding pattern, like, OK, let's see how will this let's see how this evolves and and um you know how it might affect us and i think you touched on this a little bit like some marketers are super pumped about it, but some marketers are, are terrified because they're afraid that, you know, this is going to take their job away. But hopefully we've squashed some of that through this conversation uh, because, you know, it will always need to be a human element in one way, one shape or form.
1: Right. And Megan, what do we do all day long? You do this for your customers all day. I do it for mine all day long is figure out how to differentiate a product or a service from a competitor. So look at these kinds of tools as both collaborator and competitor, right? How do we differentiate from this platform, this technology and turn it into a tool that makes us more valuable? That's that's what marketers do. So I look at it yeah. as, you know, as an opportunity to take seriously, but yeah, it's an opportunity.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. Um, Jack said France has the best AI engineers. That's why it was in Paris. So yeah, that makes sense. I just think of Mountain View as the brains of the operation, but that's a super valid point. Well, and I want to thank everyone who um, is watching um, or watching the replay, um, listening on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Dave, I have one final question for you. I'd love to ask our guests a business book that they recommend, and I did not prep you for this. So if you don't have one off, the top of your head, that's totally okay. But um, do you have a business book that you could recommend to our listeners?
1: Well, I don't necessarily have one. I have 19. And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's uh, Pick Anything You Want by Seth Godin and you won't okay. go wrong. Even if it's 20 years old, there are principles in there. He's a marketing guru. He's built his brand around marketing, but every single person markets themselves every single day in their lives and in their careers. And anything that you read by Seth is worth considering integrating into your life and how you take your brand out into the world, your personal and professional brand. So it was an easy one, Megan. Pick one. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Yeah, I have a bunch of them in my library. I'm sure you so, do. <laughs> well... I thank you so much. I bet you never knew when you had to be the one to tell me that I was being laid off from GERS, that here we would be. <laughs> and 27 years later, that I know for you it was difficult. And it was obviously difficult for me, seven and a half months into my first job out of college, but it taught me a life lesson. It taught me, I mean, really, I have been because of that, I have been nimble <laughs> and always ready to have to make my next move, which also makes having. My own company, kind of nice too, right? Because I yes. like, you know, customers will also come and go. But I appreciate you and all your knowledge and all your your goodness through the years.
1: Oh, you too, Megan. I never cease to be impressed. I follow you, even though we haven't talked every day. Certainly, even every year over the last uh, many years, I watch you and watch you grow and watch you evolve. And I see you putting to light, it bringing to life those lessons that you talked about. I see it every day when I see stuff from Megan Powers. So I, that's legit. I know that. You took life lessons from that, and to your great credit, you made them work for you very successfully. So, good on you.
0: Thank you. Well, and it wasn't the first time I was laid off, so I definitely have a heart for everyone in tech who's been going through all of this. You know, the last few months. Uh, So, there's something better on the other side. That's that's for sure. Even though even if it's hard to see,
1: that's the lesson, right? It's just door close. You know, it's oh god, the cliche, but one door closes, another one opens.
0: I mean, it, it didn't hurt that I got hired back on contract at twice the pay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, Eight weeks later, right.
0: <laughs> that helped cushion the blow a little bit.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember long ago. I'm, you know, I hate the hate having to do those things, and got out of uh, managing people uh, primarily because of that that experience. I just decided I'm going to be an individual contributor and do my thing, and not have to deal with those very difficult and challenging human things. So, yeah, for, for better sure. Or worse, totally guess. get that.
0: Yeah. yeah. No. Well, you're still a mentor to people that you work with and whatnot. So you'll always have that element.
1: Yeah, yeah it happens so. when you get all these white hairs in your beard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I just cover mine up. I mean, not my beard. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friends. Thanks again. Thanks, Jack and everyone else who has been with us live. This has been a real treat. And hopefully we, if you didn't know about this chat GPT thing, um, hopefully you understand it a little bit more, um, even if you did. So thank you everyone for joining us. Thanks, Dave.
1: Yeah, thank you, Megan. It was a blast. Thank you.
0: All right, friends. This has been episode 121 of the Making a Marketer podcast and we will catch you next time.